Wonderful stuff. Now, we have here two uh, legends, actually, within this generation. Um, both of you, uh, Susie and Zeke, passionate about young people. Can you tell us a bit about your own personal stories and how you ended up here? Yeah, you know I've watched that video a handful of times every time I was on the verge of losing it. But um, I'll just gather my thoughts. Um, yeah, so my story is that I um, grew up in Cambridge, and a uh, great city, and my parents came to know Jesus just before I was born. And so I've always known about Jesus, and I was part of a youth group, and when I was 13 years old, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, which changed my life forever. And uh, I just remember that night lying in bed, just realizing there was a God in heaven who knew my name, who loved me. And from that point on, I said, Jesus, whatever it looks like, whatever the cost, Whatever it's like, I want to follow you. And so that was my teens, really um, going to Soul Survivor, being part of a, a youth group, and um, came to, here to Nottingham in 2001 to university. And um, those first couple of years at uni, they were um, a bit of a challenge. I um, didn't get involved in a church straight away. It was a testing time for my faith. And uh, it got to my third year at university, and um, one of my Christian friends said to me, um, Suze, you are potentially one of the most discouraging Christians I've ever met. <laughs> and um, the reason he said it is because I felt God speak to me as a teenager about being involved in church leadership, and, um, and I loved Jesus, um, but my lifestyle didn't, didn't look like I did, and I wasn't even in a church. And so I said to him, all right then, in September, I'll come to church. So um, September 2003, um, walked through the doors here, I think it was then, and um, came, came to Trent and very quickly felt at home here, felt family, felt believed in, and... Um, amazing church to be a part of and so sort of got to the end of university and I was thinking what am I going to do with my life um, sort of felt like I had this call to ministry but at the same time was kind of like maybe I should get a proper job so um, <laughs> so I um, applied for teacher training um, thinking I'd be an awesome teacher and um, the door to that just got slammed shut, not once, not twice, but three times. And against the odds, really, because, you know, I had the grades, I had the, the experience. And, um, and so I thought, well, maybe God is calling me into something else. Maybe I should be obedient. So um, I ended up coming along to the discipleship year sort of program here. And throughout that year, God just broke my heart for, for, for the church. And, and again, laying on me sort of a burden for young people. So... Um, Cutting the long story short, I was working as a travel agent. That was a great time. I also did spend some time working as a fake maths teacher. I wasn't qualified, but was teaching maths. <laughs> and, um, and I was working here part-time in the children's department. And I uh, got to the point where actually the, um, the head teacher at the school said, we'd love you to come and to train to be a teacher. At the same time as here, literally within the same week said, um, would you come and be a pastor here full-time? And it uh, just felt like God saying, this, this is what I've got for you, so come and do this. So over the years, been in lots of different uh, ministry areas, and it's been a roller coaster of a ride. Um, mistakes along the way, um, digging deep at times with Jesus, but it's been amazing to see what God's done. I ended up in the youth department a little bit because there was a gap, because we were building the youth centre next door, and Bodders, who was the youth pastor at the time, he was kind of building it, and so he needed a bit of help. So Debbie said, would you go into youth for one day a week? I was like, sure. And um, while I was there, just getting to know young people, walking alongside them, God just um, put a heart and a passion for teenagers in me that has been burning ever since. And, um, and then ended up becoming the youth pastor, uh, heading up DTI. And then now I oversee sort of the new generations here, so kids, youth, students, young adults, alongside DTI. So that's, in a nutshell, my story.
Awesome. Zee, you don't sound like you're from around here. No, no, I'm not. Um, so, hello, everyone. Uh, I, I'm from Sydney, Australia, and I was born there in 1987, to be exact. And, um, and I grew up in a Christian family. My parents both believed in Jesus. They followed him. And at eight years old, my mum actually led me to the Lord um, in our home. And uh, by 12, I was, I was involved, going, getting involved with the church. I was baptised and filled with the Spirit and all that good stuff. And... Um, but I found myself at a point where, as a teenager, you sort of drift along, and I was very much involved in football, and that was my main focus. And at 16, I, I found myself in a church, sort of similar size to this in Sydney, and uh, the preacher was just going for it and um, saying, if you want to follow Jesus, he needs to be number one in your life. And that hit me. I realized he wasn't number one in my life. There was, there was other things. Football really was number one. So there and then I made the decision to make Jesus number one in my life. And he's always held me to that because he holds us to our, our promises. And, um, and what's been awesome is, is that just was a journey where I was involved in a great church that trained me up and raised me up as a young leader. So at 17, I, was, I took on a, a, a small life group of 10 and 11-year-old boys and I, I just learned to disciple them and tell them about Jesus and encourage them in their faith. And I love this, and I felt God's call on my life. And, um, but then this opportunity came up at 18 to come to England. Uh, it was my, my lifelong dream to pursue a football career. So I had the opportunity to have a trial with Millwall, if anyone's a fan. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Not many. There's a few, there's a few, yeah. Um, and uh, I found myself, uh, my parents bought me a one-way ticket. It didn't have loads of money, but uh, <laughs> enough just to get me over there. And um, it was strange because I'd never even been on a plane before. And uh, so I go on this plane and my dad shows me a picture of a guy I'm going to meet at the airport, friends of our family. And so I, I see him and I get there and I have my trial and it just didn't work out. A uh, really long story short, it, things happened and, and, and it, the door shut and I found myself, they didn't have room in their home because their children were home from uni, so I found myself in a caravan alone sleeping there, uh, really missing my family and crying out to God and saying, why am I here? And God just said, my ways are not your ways. Um, get involved with the young people. And so I got involved with young people in that church and it was amazing. For the next 10 years, I became an outreach youth worker in the local community and then eventually the youth pastor in that church. And then I came to NLC in 2014. And um, I just loved what I saw. I was, I'd, I'd heard about the vineyard in Australia when I was young, but they always had this weird donut break, so I thought, <laughs> they're a bit odd. Um, and, so, and so I came and I was just struck by what I saw here. And I, that's where I met my friend John Thompson. And um, I arranged to have a coffee with him strategically, thinking how I could get involved with the, with the vineyard. So at, at, at that cafe, I just asked him for his job. And, um, <laughs> and I thought it was the logical way forward. He said no. And then... Um, <laughs> And then a few, a few months later, it worked out that God just miraculously opened a door for my wife. Ellie and I got married and we joined Coastline Vineyard when it relaunched. Amazing church. We were there for three years. And, and in that time, we were part of the core team here running DTI. And um, God just broke my heart for the next generation. What he's doing, not just uh, locally, but nationally for young people. And 
I just felt a stir to be more involved and my wife was feeling stirred to be um, to pursue a career in international humanitarian affairs and ended up getting a job in, with Tear Fund in London. So we moved there in September and started the role here. It's been an amazing journey and honoured to be here. Wonderful. Thank you both. As we're thinking of investing our money and our time and everything else in enabling this all to happen, why is it so important we invest in the next generation? Well, I think you could probably write a book on it, but I'll give you the best answer I can in the next couple of minutes, um, because God's heart just burns for young people. And um, the place we've got to start, I guess, is in the scriptures. Like The scriptures are clear that, that God calls us to invest in young people. You know, It says, teach kids in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. Jesus himself, he welcomes the little children to himself. He's like, he's like don't hinder them. And uh, as a church, as part of the Great Commission, we have a responsibility to live that out. By, by inviting young people to have the opportunity to come and to know Jesus for themselves. You know, God's heart is really, you know, for everybody that they wouldn't be living in brokenness, in separation from God, but they would be in a lifelong relationship with Jesus, a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and so it's important that we give the, give the kids the opportunity for that. Just as a little, you know, live survey here, here today, who here came to know Jesus before you were 18? Wow. Okay, just put your hands up. Put your hands down. If you didn't, put your hand up. Okay. So, so um, Barna stats would agree with our little live survey. You know, the people. Barna would say that what people believe by the time they're 18, that they will most likely will die believing. Okay. Two thirds of born again Christians come to faith in Jesus before the age of 18. So from an evangelism point of view, we have a phenomenal opportunity to invest in young people. What they, what they believe by the time they're 18, they'll most likely die believing. Let's get in there, tell them about Jesus, so they believe that by the time they're 18. And, and you know, we've, we've talked this week already about culture. You know, culture is unbelievably difficult for teenagers. And uh, we were just chatting the other day, John, weren't we? And, and we believe that there's never been a time in history where it's been so challenging to be a teenager. You know, young people, they're, they're searching for their identity and they're looking for it in all sorts of different places. You know, they're looking for it to, to social media, to, to the internet, to peers, to culture in really an unprecedented way. And many of them are struggling. Many, many of them are struggling. And they're struggling with things like uh, anxiety, depression, uh, parental separation, uh, bullying, including cyberbullying, along with you know, all the angst that comes with just being a normal teenager, figuring out who, who they are. And um, really, we're in uncharted waters. And as, as we've sat and we've pastored and we've met with young people over the last 10 to 15 years, there have been so many moments where I've been in a conversation with a young person and I've just come away and I've wept and thought, the only hope they have is that they meet Jesus because their life is such a mess. And when you look at you know, um, stats for things like self-harm, that kind of thing, um, it's difficult to get an accurate measure because of the nature of it. But the stats um, showing the amount of young people self-harming, the amount of admissions to hospital are absolutely heartbreaking. And the leading cause of death amongst young people in, in the UK is suicide. 
it's suicide. And, and I think we have to stand up and reflect on that. The leading cause of death for our young people is, is that they would take their own lives, that they wouldn't, that, that that's would be the option they take. And, you know, the enemy is having a field day with our young people. He's having an absolute field day, and it's our responsibility as a church to rise up and say, not on our watch, like, not on our watch, because there is hope, and there is truth, and there is life, and his name is Jesus, right? And, um, and so, as we come together, you know, as youth ministries come together around this country locally, as we get together at something like DTI, we have to invite young people into a better story. We have to offer them a different reality. And so what's happening is we get together, we're worshipping, the presence of God comes, young people are being shaped and moulded by truth for a moment. And what is happening as they're encountering the truth, their lives are being changed. You saw some of those stories in the video. I know those young people, their lives have changed and their futures are being rewritten. That's that my answer. And, and we all know here, we, 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 we invest in what we value, right? And, and a generation are growing up, um, if we look at what's gone on on the ground, um, being a youth worker and youth pastor in, in local vicinities and towns and all that kind of stuff, you see uh, the government making cuts with young people and uh, job, uh, youth workers losing jobs, youth, uh, youth facilities shutting down. And um, this is our opportunity to say, no, well, not on our watch. Like Susie said, as the church, we're, we're going to invest. And we're going to say, we value you. We believe in you. So many young people in that story of not knowing whether they're valued. And we have this beautiful opportunity as the church to say, we value you. We see you as important. We, we're investing in you, therefore, that you're valued. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you. So uh, we saw on the video that... Um, DTI is moving to the summer. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, we can. It's been an amazing um, couple of years just to be following Jesus, figuring out what he's saying. And uh, really, the momentum with DTI has been growing sort of over the last few years. Lots of you will know that. And um, summer of 2017, as a core team, we sat one night uh, at, at like a debrief meeting around someone's kitchen table. Mm. And we started to dream to say, you know, what, what has God got for DTI? And uh, we all got like, you know, super passionate and, and excited. I'm sure you can't imagine that happening. And, um, and we just got fixated on this thought that we would love to move things to the summer. You know, having something in May when there's exams is, is a hindrance. Mm. It is freezing mm. at night. And for people traveling from a long way, it's, it's difficult for them to get there. And um, so we just, we just were like, God is stirring something else to move this thing to the summer. However, we are passionate about Soul Survivor. You know, we grew up through Soul Survivor. And lots of our groups, lots of vineyard groups go to DTI and Soul Survivor. So we never wanted to create a sort of an either-or sort of option. So we sort of just let it, let it lie dormant. And then for the next year, it was unbelievable the way God just started to speak. Started to speak to us personally, started to speak through prophetically, through, through dreams, through, through different words. Just this morning, I was looking through a whole heap of prophetic words, and there was an unshakable confidence that we feel like God was calling us towards the summer. So um, that's sort of the backdrop to where we're at. And then um, in the run-up to NLC last year, I had my role here had changed a little bit, and um, I still sort of oversee the, the youth, but I'm not the youth pastor, and I'll uh, have a sort of wider role. And um, every time I'd go into the youth centre, just to see how things were, um, 
I would find myself weeping, just weeping. And, and it wasn't like a, um, a grief thing that other sort of handed on this role. There was a stirring. And um, some friends of mine on the first night of NLC said, um, how are you? And I said, God is stirring something in my heart for young people. And it's not about Trent Youth because I feel like um, God spoke to me about laying that down. And, um, but it must be about DTI. God is doing something with DTI. Two days on, we find ourselves in this lunch uh, with Mike. Uh, you're going to share about that, aren't you? The, the lunch where we all left feeling sick. Um, <laughs> it, it was one of those. Um, yeah, we were all very excited about meeting Mike Pilavachi, going to Soul Survivor for years, you know, and, and it was just like, oh, yes. So we created a WhatsApp group and we thought, what's the best five questions? He wasn't in it, it was just us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been super odd, but, I, but, but he. So 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 Susie just ends. She just says, Mike, I just want to tell you what God's been stirring in us, and we feel this stirring to to potentially do something in the summer. But we never wanted to clash with what you guys are doing, and um. So anyway, you know that's that's great, but um, we just want to ask you a couple of questions. And so, how do you lead ministry on a massive scale when there's thousands of young people, and um. And, and Mike just sort of looked at Suze like he, like just, he stared at her and then he like stared into the, what seemed the abyss and like just, he, he, I thought he was going to be sick or something, like he just was so odd and he just said, you see, I'd like to invite you to move DNA to the summer. Um, and we were all like, what's DNA? <laughs> We know, we know we've got a similar DNA, but, but oh, oh, Mike, DTI. Yeah, DTI. Um, <laughs> it's great that you know what we're about. Um, really encouraging. Uh, and so he was like, look, Soul Survivor's going to end. And we, this is like breaking our hearts. This is 28 years of investing in young people. 28, you know, 25,000 young people coming and gathering together every year. And we're like, what? And, and, um, and, then, and then sort of like... Yeah, so it, it sort of dawned on me. I said to Mike, I said, Mike, just give me a minute. You've sort of dropped a bit of a situation on us here. And, um, and it dawned on me, um, do John and Debbie know? Um, and, and I said to him, look, Mike, this team is sort of accountable to me and I'm accountable to John and Debbie, so um, do they know? And he was like, no. <laughs> and, um, and I was just like, oh, no, this, this is not good. So out of the corner of my eye, and we, they were in the same room, I, I was, oh, come on, come on, Debbie, why don't we tell them now? So um, that was uh, quite a moment, I guess, for us. And uh, we went into the youth centre and, uh, and just had a room, and we were like, what, what is going on? But um, really, it was confirmation to us of what the Lord was stirring in our hearts. It wasn't like, in some ways, yes, it was a bombshell. In other ways, it wasn't, because we felt this stirring that God was actually calling us to, to do this anyway. So then we had a sort of period of discernment. Is this thing right? Obviously, the Vineyard Leadership Group went on that process as well. And um, just, just the doors we sort of pushed, they've... They've opened, and there's been obstacles along the way. Like with that site, we thought we weren't going to get the site, and so I got—I was convinced the Lord would give us that land. I just really felt like that's what God was saying. So I got the piece of paper, the map. I stood on it, and I was just praying, God, this is our land. Like, give us the land. And uh, we found out actually we were at Naturally Supernatural when it had been going on for months at Naturally Supernatural in the summer that we had that site, which was amazing. So we're really excited. We feel like it's. The Lord. Yes. So from the, another perspective in that we, we did know that he was going to finish Soul Survivor. He talked with us about that. What we didn't know is about to invite our team to play a major role in filling the gap. And it's not that he was passing Soul Survivor to us or to you, but rather, guys, 
you share our DNA, and there will be other youth festivals that will pop up. We need them. We've got 20-something thousand young people. Could you take some of them? Could you actually open your doors beyond your own vineyard youth and say, could other people join in with you? Because what you're doing is so incredible. And so um, our initial reaction was, do you know, we've got 1,200 uh, teenagers and youth at Newark. Was it Newark? So incrementally, what could we do? We could probably double that. Maybe we could cap it at 2,400. I mean, you know, we can only do what we can do. And just because there's a need doesn't constitute a call. And so we'll do what we can do. But Mike, you know, others have got to pop up. Anyway, over time, and talking with the Vineyard Leadership Group, as we've prayed about it, as we've thought about it, as we've begun to dream the impossible, the capacity of the site, which is more than 5,000, there is no reason in the world why we shouldn't be able to open the doors wide. The two things we need is hundreds of volunteers and hundreds of thousands of pounds. So anyway, uh, Mike had some further comments. Let's watch him. <laughs> this summer we will be holding our final Soul Survivor Youth events. And in the summer of 2020, Dreaming the Impossible will move from the spring to the summer at Staffordshire Showground. And I'm so excited about this. The reasons I'm excited is because, first of all, I believe this is the Lord. Uh, you've got a great youth team led by Susie, and it's a wonderful team that love young people, that want to serve them, and that long for people to come to know Jesus. We are right behind you. Vineyard guys, I love the vineyard. I know you're going to do a great job and we will be cheering you on and I'm going to be there on my Zimmer frame going round moaning and groaning that it wasn't like this in the old days and thoroughly enjoying it. So DTI has had an incredible impact over the years on so many young people, probably thousands now of young people have been through that. Um, tell us a few little stories. Yeah, I love, love hearing stories of young people's lives changed and uh, a couple that have just captured my heart. Um, one, there's a young lady who's, who's here in, in the youth ministry here and uh, she's uh, 11, 11 years old and she was at DTI just, just the year just gone and um, on, on one of the evenings, she chose to follow Jesus for the first time. And then the, the morning afterwards, we're praying for healing. And, uh, you know, we got, the, we got kids to stand uh, who had different sort of things going on. And then their mates just stood around them and, and prayed for them. And uh, this, this little girl, she um, has had eczema on her hands, on her knees. And it was so bad that she could never um, kneel on grass. And she couldn't open her hand flat because of um, eczema, like, it's crack, a bit cracky, isn't it, I think? Um, crack, yeah. Um, so she couldn't open it. And, um, and, and as she got prayed for, the God met with her, and that eczema disappeared instantaneously. And um, it was unbelievable. So she comes over to me, and um, she's crying her eyes out. And I'm like, sort of just assessing, is everything actually all right? And she said to me, I met Jesus last night, and now he's just healed me. So I was like, oh, he healed me. What, what's he healed you from? And um, she tells me the eczema. And it's dark in the room at, at, at DTI. So I um, got my torch out. It wasn't, like, you know, on the phone. I wasn't carrying a torch. And... Um, <laughs> 
and she had her arm out, and I was shining the torch along, along her arm to, to check, you know, to check that the eczema had in fact gone. That eczema has left and it's not come back since. And um, did she get baptised in uh, last year and told her story and the, the, um, the difference that healing has had on her life, it wasn't just a physical thing. God has done something in, in her life that will shape her forever. So that's one amazing story. Um, The, the other one would be that um, there's another young lady who I know. Teenage years for her were a real, real challenge. She had a deep sense of um, unworthiness in her. And that sort of played out in various, various different ways. And as a teenager, just, um, it's been really hard for her. And she found herself um, self-harming and, and just in a really, really hard, hard place. And... Um, so this was a couple of years back. I sat with her and I said to her, look, I believe that Jesus can change your situation. I really do. And um, just she's been loved and prayed for and a number of times. Anyway, she comes along to, um, to, to DTI and um, we're, we're praying for healing again. And she has medically one leg shorter than the other one. And so again, the kids praying for each other and uh, the leg shoots out. Um, those legs have been um, tested since, and um, they're, they're the same length. And uh, this young lady has met Jesus, given her life to Jesus, and the difference in her is, honestly, if, if, if you could have been on that journey, it's just um, only Jesus could have, could have done that. So there are a couple of little stories. You've got some as well. Yeah, well, it's, it's an honour in, in my role to be able to travel around a bit and visit youth ministries across the country. And I was in Birmingham a few weeks ago with Aaron and his amazing team, and um. They're doing a great job there, and, and I just spoke to the young people in Coventry Vineyard um, with Serena had come along as well, and we had some ministry time, and I just, we, there was a sense that there was a girl that, or not a girl, but a young person that was, that their family was going through a real tough time, and that potentially there was a, a divorce happening or breakup or fam, family struggle, and this young girl comes to the front and says, you know, that's me, um, everything you're saying, uh, we've, we've We've moved to another church, and I, I don't feel a sense of home, and I, I don't feel a sense of like value, and because this is what young people are searching for, you see, it's what we're all searching for, and and um and she says like, and w Serena and I, and this is precious when you get to look in a young person's eyes and say, listen, whatever's going on with your parents, I've had this, my parents got divorced, it's not your fault, and um this you know the spirit of God just fell on this girl. And, she was so blessed and um, so encouraged, and she said, whenever I come here, it's like coming home. You see, what we what's being created on the ground in our youth ministries and in our churches is that young people have an environment where they're part of a family, mm. and it's not whatever's going on in their life, it's, it doesn't matter because they're part of God's family, and that's broad and wide and deep. And so I found myself in full Kirk with the guys up there with Andrew. Loved it. Like, it was such a good time to be up there with Scotland in Scotland and, and visiting some of the guys at City Church as well. And, um, and uh, Andrew was doing his thing and his team. They did this tuck shop drop. It's unbelievable. They were controlling like actual tuck shop stuff dropping by a computer. Anyway, that, that doesn't even make sense. But it, it, it was amazing. I was like, as a youth pastor, a youth worker, I'm like, I never did anything like this. But um, there's this young lad who comes in and he's, he, apparently the week before he'd been prayed for, he had knee injury. 
And um, he's literally like limping a bit. And I was on the, a group of young lads that we were, we were part of that, that, that game. And I just said, what's going on, man? He goes, yeah, my knee's so bad, it's so painful. And I said, fellas, like, let's get around him. Lay your hands on him and let's pray for him. So we pray. And, um, and there was like one of the lads was saying, like, please heal him. I said, hey, we don't need to plead with God. We just thank him for what he's doing. So let's keep praying. And, and then, then the next morning, um, Andrew gets a text from that young person's mum, who's not a believer. Is she a doctor? Oh, she's, okay, anyway, I made that up. She's a nurse. And so she's, you know... Not gonna. And so she texts Andrew and says, his knee, he woke up this morning, he's jumping around, his knee feels, he says he's like got a brand new knee. And um, what's awesome is that he, he comes to church, next week he gets baptised, gives his life to Jesus, he's inviting his parents, you know, he's a catalyst in his family's life. And this is just a few stories of what's going on. We, 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 we finish DTI every year, don't we? And we're just blessed of all the stories of what God's doing. Um, in our, in our gathering, but all around the country. And we thank you for all that you're doing. It's so important. So important. So as we look forward to summer next year, 2020, tell us a little bit what's it going to look like. That's a great question. <laughs> Don't know. No, no, it's a joke. Um, we... We believe that we're called to continue doing what we're doing, but to do it in a scaled-up way. So we'll continue to, to meet as a family for the vineyard, for it to be a vineyard-led um, values. And so we, we will do what we're doing and invite others into it. And uh, we love uh, worship. We love teaching. We are passionate about the presence of God, and so we'll continue to make loads of space for God to move and to meet with young people and have loads of fun along the way. So obviously, it's good. It, we, we, you know, we don't know exactly how many young people will come. It will, it will look bigger, but it'll be very much the same family kind of feel, feel um, at it. And, um, and I guess, you know, with that, that is a bit of a challenge to us here in the vineyard because we... Um, so far have had a very family feel at DTI and so we're wanting to continue that going forward and some of you might have questions you know what's it you know what's the feel going to be like is that are we going to lose sort of our sense of family and identity for those in the vineyard movement and um, and whilst things will look a little bit different we are really um, plugging and putting time and investment into um, really investing in the youth network here so it's wanting to continue relationships with uh, and build relationships between youth pastors and uh, really Zeke's come, come on board to really help with that as well. Do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah so coming on board with, with um, DTI and the youth network uh, four days a week and so part of what we, what we want to build is this family culture where, we're, where any youth pastor or youth leader wherever they are can be supported and so one of the, the major things we're working alongside, as well as 2020, um, is, is, is regional youth leaders. So point people in the six regions that we have around the UK and Ireland, just people that have experienced seasoned youth leaders and youth pastors that, that know the stuff and appoint people that, that, that others starting on the journey or, or have a heart for youth ministry or need to start from scratch or feel isolated because youth ministry can be just for because you're with young people and it's, it's, it's that season and time in, in the world, really, what's going on. And so we want to provide that. We want so regional support, um, gather the youth network more, more consistently. We, we really want to provide resources on the ground for youth leaders, you know, stories and, and teaching and stuff that they can roll out where they are. Um, DTI Nano, I don't know if any of you heard of it. 
Dreaming the Impossible Nano. It's everything that we do at DTI crammed into one day in a location. We started that in Bournemouth and it was incredibly successful gathering many vineyard churches from around that region in the south. And so we, we'd love by 2020 to have them in every region, you know, one in every region once a year where, there's, where we've got stuff going on a, on, a, on a major level, a huge level with DTI, but we've got something locally that churches and, and these leaders can tap into. Um, so this is really what I'm passionate about and what we're passionate about as, as, as DTI and the Youth Network. And, and we really want to, yeah, we want to invest in that as well as plowing on with 2020 and all that that will involve and networking with other streams and denominations. It's, it's an exciting time. As you know, the Vineyard Leadership Group, the regional leaders, area leaders are right behind you in this. Just tell us, what do you need? That's a great question. What do we need? Well, f before I just get onto that, I've got a couple of things um, practically we'd love to say about what we need. But we have been, um, to say overwhelmed by the support is, is an understatement. The, the level of um, support and backing from, from, the, from the leadership group, from the area leaders, um, from the young people, just they're so pumped about it, excited for it, youth leaders. And it really feels like the invitation uh, to move this conference to the summer, it's not an invitation to us, it's an invitation to us as a movement. And God is inviting all of us into this story. Come and be a part of the story of what God's going to do in a generation. And yeah, different ones of us will play different roles in that, but he's inviting us into the story. And just to give you a little window into that support, I think we've got a selfie. Is that coming up? Oh, that's just me. I think it's coming up. No? We'll wait two seconds and then we'll move on. Okay, well, we took a selfie, right? We were at the area leaders gathering and uh, back in November. And um, is that it? Oh, I can see it there. It's, it's coming. It's, yes, here it is. Okay, here's a selfie. It's a very surreal situation. It's not the best selfie, but um, there we are. And this is in front of um, all the area leaders. And, and we were talking about um, DTI. These guys were praying for us. And this photo was taken as a prophetic act. Um, Jason who, Clark, who runs Sutton Vineyard, he had a, um, <laughs> a lot of love for him. He had a, um, a, a, a prophecy based in 1 Samuel. I'm not going to go in, into all of it, but... The, the photo was taken, that selfie was taken as a prophetic act to say, this is, this is a moment we're going to mark, and as the elders of the movement, we're, we're behind you in this movement. Uh, yeah, the Ebenezer moment. And uh, it, honestly, unbelievable just, just to have that sort of level of support. And I think as I've thought about the support, you know, this is not about pulling off an amazing youth festival in 2020. It's about a generation. And so at the moment, it's exciting. We're all, like, up for it. But we know that along the way there'll be challenges, there'll be, there'll be hiccups, there'll be hurdles, there'll be challenges that, that we need to overcome. And so we would love your support for, for, for the long term. And, um, and so practically there's, there's three ways really, isn't it? The first is, is volunteers. You're going to talk about that, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we want to invite you to join the dream team. It's, it's Susie's idea, dream team, you like it? Um, and so we want to give you the opportunity to, to as, a, as, a, as a whole, like, you know, as a movement, we, we get behind uh, DTI. And so um, this is an opportunity for us to walk away from NLC and say, right, this is what, what people are sort of pledging. This is what people set, feel from God they can contribute, senior pastors and, and leaders here. So on your chair or on the ground, uh, there'll be an invitation. Um, maybe you put, it's a bookmark already, or you put your chewy in it. Right. 
hopefully that's always my trick. Um, but but um, so this is an invita a personal invitation to, to you here. Um, and so you can see on there that, that there's many different uh, teams that, we can, that you could be part of to run, to help run DTI 2020 and beyond. And so as an individual, as a senior pastor, this is a moment to say, you don't have to fill it in right now because it will, we will be putting it in the offering tonight. Um, but just to prayerfully consider what is our contribution as, as a church. So if you're a senior pastor, maybe you know, you're from Coastline Vineyard, your names are Aiden M, and you're, you're filling out that form and you're just writing your name and your church and the volunteers that you can bring is around 400 and, and, and you know they're all, they're all prepared to do whatever it takes to be sleepless nights, anything. But, um, <laughs> but, but no, on a serious note, we don't want you to just say, oh yeah, you know, like we commit to bringing 50 and then when it push comes to shove, you can't deliver on that because this is before God and, and as a church, what you can contribute. And we know that, um, you know, f the, the ratio is 100 uh, volunteers to every 1,000 young people or, or 1 to 10. And so we... we we, we need your support. We would love your support. And so as you, as you go away from here and, and through the seminars and talk with one another, prayerfully consider what your contribution will be and what you can, how you can join the Dream Team. Um, you, you, we're believing for five, 600 volunteers, and, and um, we, we really would love your help. And yeah. Yeah, and I think what this isn't is it's not you're signing this, you're signing your life away forever. It's to give us a little bit of a gauge because reality is, um, if, if, if we want to take a certain amount of young people, say that say we, the 3,000 wanted to come, we need 300 volunteers. But if we don't have the volunteers, then we will have to, ca we will have to cap it. Uh, so this is just really helpful to give us a little bit of a gauge to say, you know, we think this, this is roughly where we're at with it to, to help us with that process. Um, so, so yeah, hopefully that helps. And then, so that's volunteers. The other is the money. John, I think you're going to talk about it. I am, yes. <laughs> you know, money, in terms of trying to exactly quantify what is needed, is slightly hard, because there's so many variables, depending on how big the conference is and, uh, and so on. But if you stop to think about the... You, you can do this a number of ways. We could say, well, why don't we as a movement invest a bit and see how it goes? Like, they, we could scrimp a bit, and you could, you could say, I know you're a day a week, aren't you, and you're four days, so maybe we could get a, a half a day more of administrative time to help these guys. And we could, we could go about it that way around and say, can you please watch every penny and be penny-pinching? And a PA system, can we get an old second-hand PA system and put it in that place instead? That's one way of approaching it. Wrong, 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 I think. What we need to do is invest in this generation. I don't think we could give too much money to this, because if we gave more than was needed, they would be able to employ other people and have administrative help and get the right kit and get the right equipment and invest in the youth network and running around the nation and people being stimulated and youth being believed in. And so it is a few hundred thousand pounds we want. There's two ways we're going to do this. One is we're taking the offering this evening, and that will involve um, individuals giving and churches, if you've come with a gift already decided, or you can decide by tonight, bringing a gift. And so, for instance, Trent Vineyard, we really want to get behind this, so we are giving four times what we normally give to the offering. Okay, so normally the offering's around 90,000, and we're giving four times. Uh, personally, we'll be giving three times what we normally give to this offering. So think about it personally, think about it as a church. But also, that DVD you just saw, not of Mike, 
but the other one, <laughs> will be sent to all the pastors in the movement. And what we'd love to do is invite churches, if they would like to, to play that to their church and take an extravagant Sunday offering. So here at Trent, we'll do that, and that will add, no doubt, quite a lot more money. So um, that's basically it. And, you know, uh, I mentioned it a couple of nights ago to just the pastors who had gathered. Leonard Ravenhill once said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped within the lifetime of the opportunity. We want future generations to look back and say thank you and not if only. This is the opportunity of a generation, you know, with all these young people who are expecting, hoping to do something in 2020 in the summer, uh, and every year that young people grow up behind that, oh, Soul Survivor's gone, is there anything I could access? And, and all the things that we've talked about here. This is the opportunity, we can let this go by not having enough volunteers or enough money. Or we can say, guys, let's get behind what God is doing and really bless it. We met on Monday as a Vineyard Leadership Group to talk about and then to pray about this conference. And uh, the words of a song came to my mind, and some of you are old enough to remember Bruce Springsteen, one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> and he has a chorus which goes, everybody has a hungry heart. You can sing it a bit, sing it. Everybody <laughs> has a hungry heart. Thank you for the permission, I've never done that on the stage before. Everybody has a hungry heart. And I, I thought, I wonder what the lyrics are in that song, so I just quickly Googled it. And it says this, everybody's got a hungry heart, everybody's got a hungry heart. Lay down your money and you play your part. Everybody's got a hungry heart. And this generation, is hungry. Their hearts are hungry for God, even if they don't know it. And, um, you know, since the war, the younger generation has been leaving the church in this nation in droves. And as Susie said, not on our watch. We have to do something, and God is placing before us an opportunity. So any last thoughts from you guys? Yeah. Yes, and the, the, the third thing is prayer. Um, we watched that amazing compilation of, of revival. Did everyone see that? Wasn't it amazing? Stirring. And when we study revival and look back, it always starts with prayer. I don't think any revival in history uh, has not started with prayer at the heart, whether it was two old ladies or... or or, or, young, or young people who just got on their knees and said, God, we need you to move. We need you to move. If you don't move, we're cactus. We, we, it's not going to work. We, we, and so we, prayer, we'd love you to pray with us. We'd love, I mean, personally, I've really been on a journey of like, God, if you want to shift something in this nation, I've got to give time to prayer. And so... We'd love you to pray. We'd love you to pray for, for, for the next generation, but God, for God to move and revival to break out in this nation. That's, that's the prayer. Um, yeah, I think uh, final thoughts from, from me would be, just as we've been talking, I've just been thinking about, you know, these young people, that yes, they're the church of tomorrow, they're also the church of today, and they are the best-placed young people in their, in their schools, in their colleges, 
to be sharing Jesus. So let's be praying for them because we need leaders to rise up in all spheres of society, that God would speak to them as young people, that they would be active as young people in their faith and they would growing up. And um, well, when they're adults, the, the Bible verse that just we've come back to over and over again, I'm so obsessed with it, I've got it on my phone case, is Ephesians 3.20. So it says, everyone knows it, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and through Christ Jesus for all generations. And um, I love that Bible verse. And, and we, isn't it funny, our conference is called Dreaming the Impossible. It's amazing because God... I really believe is gonna is gonna do something. Use us, what little we've got in our hands, and do immeasurably more. So we are daring to dream for it, and um, I'm in. I'm in. I'm up for it. That's my final thoughts. Stay standing, friends. We want to respond in prayer. We're going to have a chance to pray for the core team. That we recognise that leadership is crucial in these moments, and God's given us great leaders. We've got the right leaders in place to lead the charge for this DTI shifting to the summer. We thank God for the team. These guys are heading it up. So, can um, can the rest of the core team? You know who you are. Can you come? Can you join us here? We want to pray for you. What we're going to do in this next 20 minutes or so is have the chance to pray blessing on this team and ask God to just protect them, to give them boldness and courage that they wouldn't dumb down the dreams in their heart, but they would pursue what God has called them to. Just as Debbie told that story yesterday, that actually sometimes when we come into agreement with what God has said, that's walking in humility. It's not kind of pride to come into agreement with what God has invited us to do. And these guys are just coming in humility before God and saying, we're making ourselves available. We're trying to agree with the fact that you've got something for our nation, for the young people. So I'd love Chuck and Taryn to join me. We're going to just invite Chuck and Taryn just to pray. And then can, the, can friends in the VLG, can you just come? We want to gather around and just uh, lay hands. And some of the regional leaders as well, can you come? We're going to actually lay hands on these guys. This is going to be the moment where you extend your hands as well and pray blessing for this team. But uh, Chuck and Taryn are going to lead us off. And then I'll have a chance to engage us all in moments of prayer for all the aspects in the next few minutes. We're going to start here by thanking God for our leaders and praying for them. Thank you.